0: Another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, I did not want to leave 2019's movies behind until I got a chance to talk about cats. That's right, we are doing an episode on cats from director Toby Hooper. Did I just say Toby Hooper? It seems like a Toby Hooper movie. Tom Hooper, uh, based, of course, on the uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber musical and starring a whole bunch of people in CGI cat costumes, dancing and grinding and uh, doing all kinds of weird stuff. It's a very strange movie. And I have with me Joe Black, who you have heard on the show before. Joe loved this movie, and so he was the only choice to have as my co-host for this episode. I loved it for other reasons, although actually, as i come to find during this conversation we had, our reasons are it's so far off from one another. So uh, we have a great conversation coming up for you. It's a long one. It's over an hour long about Cats, so we had a lot to say. I do want to remind you before we get into it, please make sure you are subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. You can follow us on social media at PiecingPod or join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. Without any further ado, though, I'd say let's get into this one because uh, I have been looking forward to talking about cats for a while now, and it's a fun one. All right, back on the show with us today, we've got kind of a special one. We've got Joe Black with us. How's it going, Joe?
1: Am I special or is this a special show? Which is yeah. Uh, it's
0: special because I uh, you are just a perfect person to have for a movie <laughs> like this because okay, ne- there are not many people I could have had as a guest co-host for the Movie Cats that had this movie in their top 10 films of 2019.
1: That's true. That's true. It was not top 5, but it was top 10. What was it, number six? It was number seven. It just barely oh, beat out this okay. film called Headless Entanglement that I do want to plug for my buddy. Um, All right. <laughs> he's, uh, he's a Norwegian filmmaker. Um, it's a couple of Norwegian filmmakers, Pitt and Ray Raymond. They are terrific. It's a movie called Headless Entanglement where they kidnap the prime minister of culture in Norway and they hold him hostage to get a budget to make their next film. It's Beavis and Butthead uh, meets like American movie. It's awesome.
0: Well, if it's better than Cats, then I really should check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> uh, as we get into this conversation, I will say, I don't know. I I had a great time at Cats. I know some people, obviously, this movie is getting trashed left and right. Uh, we both know that. Uh, but I had a fun time with it. And I certainly do fall in the camp of like... My my jaw just dropped open like I can't believe what I'm watching and I do have respect for a movie like that. Last year Mm. we covered a show you and I a movie called Serenity which Mm. also was a movie that's pretty much uh, shit on by everybody but you loved it. I loved it for maybe the wrong reason, um, but <laughs> but this is, you know, that's why I think this is going to be another interesting one, because it, it definitely comes from uh, that kind of everybody's going to get something different out of it kind of a point of view.
1: Oh, sure. For sure. You know, and I've noticed, too, I, I've seen the film twice. I've seen Cats twice. I saw it once in Florida on Christmas Day with my niece and my brother and friends, and uh, we all really enjoyed it, uh, sincerely enjoyed it. And uh, the audience clapped at the end, which was impressive to me. And then I came back and I saw it here in Los Angeles uh, with my girlfriend and everybody was just laughing every time Judy Dench <laughs> would pop up on screen. Like every time it would just cut to her, people were just rolling in the aisles. And then at the end, they clapped, too. So that was interesting. That was right. A-
0: <laughs> no. Yeah, as long as as long as it's like Tommy Wiseau says, uh laugh, have a good time just as long as you don't hurt each other.
1: Was that Tommy you know? Wiseau or was that James Franco? I can't. <laughs> it was Tommy
0: Wiseau. <laughs> oh, okay. What a wise man.
1: I was I was the only one who clapped at the end of Serenity, so there's progress there. So
0: I-, <laughs> I might have clapped. I'm not sure. I stood uh, up and clapped, dude.
1: I'm not even lying. I stood to my feet and I clapped. I was that guy.
0: I love that movie. Me well, uh, let's get into cats. Uh, I'm sure we'll have some pretty wide ranging puzzle pieces here. What do you got for your first piece?
1: Oh, I get to start. That's lucky me. Okay, so like, there's <laughs> I had written down all these notes, but I'm just gonna kind of go. Uh, let's start chronological. Let's go back to chronological. Okay, so the first one I have is a uh, is a Ralph Bakshi film, Fritz the Cat. Okay. Um, I, have you ever seen that movie?
0: I don't think so. I mean, I certainly know of it.
1: It's very controversial. It was based on uh, uh, Robert Crumb's uh, comic book of the same character, and Crumb actually hated the film. Crumb, who Mm -hmm. Terry Zwigoff did a documentary about. Um, It's from 1971, and it is this X-rated, sexually and racially charged, political, radical film about a cat um, who's in college who wants to be part of the counterculture. Um, And it is about, like, it's it's all a metaphor for like the racial and sexual liberation of the time, and um, and it's all done with animals, with with uh, <laughs> you know, well Fritz himself, he's a cat, you know, and then there's uh, most most black characters are represented with crows, they're played by they they are black crows, oh boy, um, and uh, at the time when it came out, um, it, it, first of all, it, it the movie made it made ninety million dollars like in 1971 um, with an X rating. It was the first animated film to be given an X rating. And, um, and the first film to use uh, like, well, you know, it's so funny. Ralph Bakshi claims now that director and writer, he claims that like, he's like, I got an X rating for that movie for things that the Simpsons do every weekend. And it's like, no, incorrect. You did not because the Simpsons in (laughs) fact did not start their film with like an orgy complete with like a, you know it, it, like no i mean this movie is full of like i mean it's animal nudity but it's like you know like cats it's like that nice little hybrid of human and animal and like sure. you know i mean
0: it's what it what are they exactly
1: exactly this movie's so fucked up but um <laughs> but where i th- and and to me cats is very similar i mean I, I don't know if you've ever seen the
0: play uh cats um I, I have not no and that that's one thing that like i really wonder how that affects anybody seeing this movie is whether or not they've seen it.
1: Well, I mean, I mean, cats is born out of a different kind of theater than your conventional narrative. You know what I mean? It's very avant garde. It's very like, it's like movement theater really. Um, And, uh, and I just think that like people weren't ready for that. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think that people weren't, uh, and, and I don't mean this as a condescension. They're just not used to that kind of thing. You know, that's something you have to like become familiar with. You have to get warmed up in to really embrace. Um, and uh, and the play and the film actually vary; uh, they're, they're, they're they're different um, in some positive and some negative ways. You know, um, and I'll get into that a little bit later. But I mean, for right mm-hmm. now, I can just say that the movie, unlike the play, has a main character. That main character, the 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 little white cat who gets dropped off, she's not in the play, right? Um. She was added because in the play, they're just singing to the audience. They're introducing themselves and you can't do that.
0: Yeah, it seems like every song is just another introduction. It's right. just like 10 introductions, one after another and nothing much else.
1: Right. Well, and I mean, the idea of the play is that's what it is. They're all presenting their their case to why they should be you know able to go to the happy side lair at the end of the Jellicle ball. <laughs> And,
0: um, oh, is that what happened
1: okay. yeah, and but each one is <laughs> each one is from a different corner of society, you know what I mean? And it's about yeah. the indulgence of different corners of society and how every different corner is self-indulgent and then how it all ultimately feeds into religion, jellical mm-hmm. cats, um, you know, uh, but but I think that like by adding a main, what Fritz the cat did very wisely that cats the film kind of suffers from is Fritz the cat married itself 100% to its radical perspective right out of the Mm get-go. You know what I mean? Like, like it is radical. There's no conventional narrative to speak of whatsoever. And this movie attempted to do that. It attempted to kind of like create a kind of conventional through line, some of which works, some of which doesn't. Um, Mm -hmm. um, And I think that that, and ultimately too, I feel like this film is an animated film overall. Like, um, and, and I think that that's going underappreciated too. When people talk about the CGI and stuff like that, it's like, yeah, it's a little, but it's like, it's decidedly what it is, you know, um, it's, it's animated. And also I watched the trailer after seeing the film, the trailer Mm -hmm. folks, if you haven't seen the film, the movie looks nothing like the trailer.
0: Yeah, you know, they were they were still working on effects right up until like release day, and then of course they famously changed the effects like a week later or something like that.
1: Right, right. Yeah, well, they they added like thirty eight seconds of like uh, of uh, altered effects, uh-huh. um, something like that. But 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 also, I think to Fritz the Cat's credit, by being an animated film and what Ralph Bakshi did better than anybody else. Um, is that he would push the limits of animation. He would say, OK, we're animating this. So this is what we're going to do. You know, it's going to be this radical. And cats, mm. I think, does. I think they got a little scared and they tried to, like, tone it down some. Um, it's funny. That I really sense. do love this film, but this is going to be a mostly critical uh, podcast for me because I love the movie so much. And I want okay. more movies like this to happen. And I want more movies like this to uh, do it right
0: well. <laughs> I think uh it's a good jumping off point for my first puzzle piece because uh you were talking about uh committing a hundred percent to that that crazy vision you know of 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 being an animated film and like going for anything it could possibly go for, and I think you're right, it is holding back a little bit, however, I also think that there are there's certain aspects of it where where they are still going for that hundred percent and, and Tom, you know, Tom Hooper, I, you know, for better or worse, um, really committed to some kind of strange vision. And that's why my first puzzle piece is actually Aquaman, uh, which was another movie that gave me that same feeling of that this, this director, in that case, James Wan, this director had a vision for what this movie should be. And it, is not going to make sense to almost anybody, but he's just going to make this fucking movie and we're going to watch it. And I, I, you know, it's going to be what it is and, and people either can go along with it or not. Um, it's just craziness after craziness after craziness. It's, I, I can't believe they're doing this now. Uh, rebel Wilson is now tearing her skin off and eating. That's in the play human face in the play. Wait, yeah, I'm, I'm. I imagine it probably is. Uh, <laughs> I, I wonder how they pulled that all off. Um,
1: you know, it's not in the play though. All those stupid little cat puns that she does, like, <laughs> like all the cat puns in this, none of that is in the play.
0: That's actually going to come up in a future uh, puzzle piece. So I'm, I'm, in, I'm glad to know that. I did not know that. That there wasn't as many cat puns. In there the, are no uh, cat play. puns. What the hell was there? Just songs and no puns. It's like... just, it's
1: just songs, and they're brilliant. <laughs>
0: Well uh, yeah so I mean obviously I loved Aquaman I you I, did? I know a lot of I did I but I loved it for a similar reason of like holy shit what is happening to me right now like I I, I can't believe what I am watching this is so freaking crazy it know? is
1: it is I I have a question for you since you loved that movie do you uh-huh. think that they could have I personally feel like they could have cut out the entire desert sequence
0: Oh like my god, yeah.
1: All of it. Like you could just literally go from them leaving Atlantis, right? That's where it is Atlantis, right? Uh-huh. Leaving Atlantis and being in uh where did they go like Vienna?
0: I think they ran out of money for underwater effects, so they Nerd. needed one more land scene or something.
1: Well, but no, they like just get rid of that land scene. You don't need them going and finding the tomb and the on the plane and the discovery of the thing that, that leads them to get rid of all that. Just go right from that to them being at like why wouldn't he know where the fucking thing he was, you know, and you know in Rome <laughs> Like just go right there, like, and that's suddenly... actually
0: come up on a few podcasts lately about the fetch quest thing in in movies lately. There's been a lot of fetch quests, like in oh, video games. Yeah,
1: it's because nobody knows what the hell they're doing anymore. They're too busy trying to please people before they people even know what they're gonna get. You know what I mean? So true. And that's what shit like having Rebel Wilson being like, "Cat got your tongue?" <laughs> like, oh, let Rebel Wilson do her thing. It's like, why? Fuck her. She's part of the part of the process. It's not for her.
0: I like Rebel oh. Wilson. Yeah, she seems to be having a blast. You liked um, Aquaman. I, I liked Aquaman.
1: Good on you, man. I, I saw yep. that with my niece, who I also saw cats with. Uh-huh. Um, she was uh, 12 at the time. She's 13 now. When we watched Aquaman, I saw it with her and with my, with my good friend Hope. And Hope was in love with it for minute one.
0: Uh-huh. And
1: my niece hated Aquaman.
0: Oh. And she
1: turned to me at one point. She was like, Uncle Joe, why are we still here? And I point <laughs> I pointed to Hope and I said, Because Cheney, that's my niece's name, Cheney. I said, Because Cheney, sometimes you gotta stick around because the kid is having fun.
0: That's right. That's absolutely right. I, I think that's the thing. You gotta go into that movie with uh, to turn the little knob that turns your brain age. You gotta turn it back to twelve and then right. uh,
1: Well my niece she didn't want to see cats. I only saw it because she wanted to see it. Or I thought she would want to see it because she loves musicals. Uh, and when I surprised her at Christmas, she didn't know it was coming. And I would she was like, oh, you know, I'm, what are we doing? I was like, We're "Gonna see, go see cats. And she was like, why? <laughs> but she really enjoyed it. She's like, I have so much more respect for my cat now.
0: That rules.
1: <laughs> well, what do you got for your next piece? Okay. My next piece is Peter Jackson's meet the feebles. Yes. Yeah. Um, for uh, uh, any of you who might not know, Peter Jackson used to be the greatest filmmaker alive. Um,
0: with his, I love his early stuff so
1: much. His first five films are arguably, like, it might be the best run of five movies since, like, John Landis. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, um, you know, John Landis had Schlock, Kentucky Fried Movie, Animal House, Blues Brothers, American Werewolf in London. And oh, Peter Jackson. Man. I know, right? And Peter Jackson, what did he have? He had Bad Taste. Meet the Feebles, uh, Dead Alive, Heavenly Creatures, and the Frighteners. Like, so good, Every yeah. One of those, so yeah. good. And in my personal opinion, he didn't make another truly great film again until uh, the Desolation of Smog. But that's another story. But um, Meet the Feebles is uh, is a backstage melodrama, a violent backstage melodrama about the Muppets, or rather, the Feebles. So the film is done exactly like the Muppets where it's like puppets interacting in the, they're in the real world and it's a backstage drama of them getting ready to perform a show. So Mm -hmm. it's like the final dress rehearsal and things could not be going worse. Like the heroin addicted knife throwing frog is going into withdrawal. Um, the, uh, evil, the evil, uh, like AD rat is like running around, like trying to shoot porn. The, the, the guy who runs the feebles, this giant walrus named Bletch is trying to do a big drug deal with a warthog on a golf course, but he's trying to like screw him over while simultaneously trying to have an affair with his secretary. Um, but his wife is the star of the show, Heidi Hippo, the Miss Piggy substitute who ends up losing her mind and fucking blowing everyone away with a machine gun. Um, I haven't seen it in so long. I gotta watch that
0: movie. It's, it's a so masterpiece. Great. It really is yeah. a
1: masterpiece. That word gets thrown around a lot, but like this is a masterpiece, and here's why. <laughs> <laughs> because it, the tag. So this was Peter Jackson's follow up to the Cannes Film Festival entry, Bad Taste, and which was a <laughs> you know an art house moderate hit. And the tagline. There are two taglines for uh, Meet the People. One of them is uh, "Hell hath no fury like a hippo with a machine gun." Nice. And the other tagline is from the filmmaker that brought you bad taste comes a movie with no taste. And (laughs) That's pretty good. And I I say this puzzle piece because I think this is another film like Cats where I think people just did, like when I show it to friends, they hear the premise and they're like, that sounds funky. And they just do not know what's about to hit them. You know what I mean? Just like Cats, like people hear this premise like that sounds hilarious and ridiculous. And then they go and it's like oddly sincere and kind of creepy and like, because it's so felt and believed, you know what I mean? Like, like you just like, it's actually genuinely upsetting. Now the reaction most people have to cats is they just start laughing. The reaction Uh people have to meet the feebles is turn
0: this shit off. (laughs) People, people don't go that far basically.
1: No. Well, you know, it's so funny though. So many people that I've shown that movie to, they're like, Oh, I got to see it. I'll show it to them 20 minutes in. They'll be like, turn this off. And then, like, I'm not kidding, a year will go by. A year will go by. And then they'll be like, hey, what was that fucked up movie with the Muppets and, like, the heroine? And I'll be like, Meet the Feebles. And they're like, yeah, let's watch that. And then they'll watch the whole thing and be like, man, this movie's awesome. Yeah. Um. And I think that <laughs> Peter Jackson, like, can you imagine if he had made Meet the Feebles and be like, well, we don't want to piss off the Muppet fans. You know mm. what I mean? Like, we, we got to make sure that we're not too mean. We're not too, you know. Just like, but no, he didn't hold back and he didn't even have the money. I mean, cats, one of the problems with cats is that it was a hundred million dollar movie. So like, right. you have certain things you have to do. Like, well, if you have rebel Wilson, in, it, I mean, she's got to make jokes, you know? Yeah. Um, you've got, uh, Idris Elba in the film. I mean, he has to be in the whole movie, not just at the very end, like the play. Right. Um, so, but Peter Jackson, thankfully made this movie with pennies and it looks like it, but like, man, what you sacrifice in, uh, in content for quality, get out of here. I cats would have been cooler if it had been made for 30 million dollars with people just in costumes.
0: Right, for sure. Well, I think that would have alleviated some of people's issues with it too. Um like regular people who aren't watching it and just loving it for how crazy it is, you know? Um I I think that not having that these CGI cat people would have, you know, definitely helped. You know, w- one thing I wanted to uh ask you before I move on to my next puzzle piece though. And I love that that piece, Meet the Feebles. I, I love that. I, I think it's the first time Meet the Feebles has ever come up on this podcast. But I'm it. Um, <laughs> what do you think if if we had the opportunity to talk to Tom Hooper right now and tell him that the first two puzzle pieces were Fritz the Cat and Meet the Feebles from you? What 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 do you think he would think of those as puzzle pieces for his movie? I don't want
1: to be an asshole, but he'd probably be like, "Oh, I'll have to see those films." Okay. <laughs> I I actually think he's I mean like gosh here we go I think he's a trash director I remember when I saw Uh King's Speech I was like this is fucking garbage like this is yeah I
0: feel like most people feel that way about
1: but I mean but you know funny enough I think that I think that and ultimately I think that's where the movie has its weakness okay I gotta stop shitting on the movie because I really like before I go on I want to say like basically you know how the Evil Dead two DVD famously at the bottom has three stars Roger Ebert like uh-huh. you know instead of four it says three stars roger ebert it, <laughs> the cats could have three stars joe black you know what i mean right. because but the director i think that tom hooper first of all i think his directing style works for this movie because his directing style is kind of like a cat in that like you know you ever watch a cat like walk around and then just like dart up a wall and then like stare <laughs> in a corner and then like yep. they roll over on their back and they look at you and then they're like they have an attitude then they just kind of like start licking themselves that's kind of his style like, <laughs> like I remember watching Les Miz and I was like, what in the fuck are you doing, dude? Like yeah. everything's happened- close
0: up on this and then yeah, and not and look at that. And-
1: Let's handheld <laughs> it, but then stabilize it. But then like not do anything except just be still like I. It, but cats, I think his style actually perfectly suited it. Um, but I think it's all by mistake on the directing level. I think that the pro- the cast and the production design and, and the pro- I think that all of them, they showed up. To make a fucking movie. And Tom Hooper was just like, oh, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So that's what I think Tom, Ho- Tom Hooper would be like. I'll have to see those films. I didn't know Peter Jackson made anything before Lord of the Rings. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs>
0: have you seen my fil-
1: my show, John Adams, with Paul Giamatti? <laughs> uh, I
0: don't think. Has anybody seen that show?
1: I, I, I only seen. saw it because we played it at Blockbuster when it came out. When I worked there, we got the DVDs and nobody <laughs> was renting it. They're like, well, why don't we play it? And I'm like, you really want people
0: to not rent this? I'm actually surprised Paul Giamatti's not in this movie. I could see him as one of these cats.
1: Oh yeah, like uh, I gotta say, my my the one of the greatest pleasures I got was uh, Ray Winston.
0: Oh God, yeah.
1: <laughs> which uh, none of that is in the is in the play. None of that oh, barge sure. on the on the Thames. Like in the play, McCavity just shows up at the very end and kidnaps Old Deuteronomy. And like McCavity mm. is kind of like an anarchist. Like they talk about him a couple times, but you don't see him. He doesn't mm. want to win the Jellicle ball. He's just like, fuck you. I'm the best. Fuck old Deuteronomy. I'm better than him. Right. You know, like he's anarchy amidst religion. You know what I mean? Like that's the whole point of him in this. It's weird because like, I liked everything they did with him. Like how he's making everybody disappear, how he wants to win the Jellicle ball. I was into all of that until the very end where like, mm. He like, tries to jump on the thing and then falls. And then I was just like, oh, you had no idea how to end th- that. You <laughs> know what I mean? Yeah, for sure.
0: Oh, man. All right. I'm going to go to another piece here. Uh, it's actually a movie I just saw recently for the first time. Uh, we were a uh, quick plug for Awesome Movie Year. We were doing an episode on it. Uh, it's Terry Gilliam's The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Masterpiece. Uh- yeah, well we we talk about it in our box office flop uh episode coming up this season. Mm. But uh yeah, no, it's it's a crazy inventive wild movie as all his movies are for the most part. Uh but I I like the aspect of um you know the whole thing, basically feeling like it's a play that's just kind of unfolding and and breaking apart and breaking through the wall, and uh, and cats it, the way that it's shot. It really feels like a play most of the time, and then with th- with the structure of the songs, everybody just basically introducing themselves. That also lends itself to just feeling like a play. It feels like they're they're performing out to you in in the uh, movie theater, and so it, it reminded me a lot of of the way that uh, that movie uh, Adventures of Baron Munchausen kind of kind of has that play like feel but a play that's breaking out of itself at every moment
1: oh absolutely you know and 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 as much as i don't like uh robin williams Mm. um usually i thought that he was really really excellent in that and when you started talking about that i started thinking about man how great would it have actually been if you had had um if you had had robin williams in this uh in this movie as like a cat like a
0: Oh, like, he'd be in the James Corden role. Yeah I, was, yeah, I was like thinking, day I'm, one. Yeah, higher. I was
1: immediately thinking of uh, Bust for Jones. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like he yeah, he would have been fucking uh, he would have been terrific in that. Actually, uh, James Corden. He's another. You know what? I actually didn't mind him in this. I thought he was very good. I, I've never really he's never done anything for me outside of uh, this. You know, I remember when I first yeah. saw him in uh, uh Into the Woods I just remember being like, who the hell is this guy? Like, how did he, how did he get into this movie? Like he's playing, (laughs) he's playing Emily Blunt's husband. Who did he, what? Yeah. (laughs) Whose friend is he? He also, you know, Robin Williams also, if he could dance, I don't know if I couldn't remember if he could like legit dance. He could have, he would have been good as a Skimble Shanks. That, that Skimble Shanks sequence. I just want to give a shout out is one of the best in the movie. Like uh,
0: which actor was Skimble Shanks?
1: Um, I don't know. He's like a, he's, oh, I, I think he's more a, a dancer. Guy. Yeah. He's the oh, okay. he's the one who's the train cat.
0: Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He was, he was so good, man. I loved that sequence where they're all dancing along the train and like, oh, that was so good. That was so
0: good. <laughs> Some weird shit.
1: Man. Munchausen though, man, like Terry Gilliam could have made a pretty gnarly version of cats too. Actually. Oh, yeah. Like, um, I think he's got a very similar, like, um, guttural, dystopian fantasy kind of feel but he's more talented than uh tom hooper
0: yeah a lot lot of people like to call this movie upsetting um i've checked out a terry gilliam version of this movie yeah but like see that's (laughs) the thing like it's not like i think that the people who are
1: saying that are the people who like a haven't seen it and are pretending Uh, or b went in already knowing that they were going to say that about it you know what i mean like that's That's the problem with the way that movies are marketed these days and with the the way that the internet, like, you know, social media, people are so ready for it by the time it happens that it doesn't matter. And um, we deserve the AI that WB is about to inflict upon (laughs) us. Like, you know, It, but you know me, I don't believe in a world where we get what we deserve. Like, I don't Mm. I don't live by those rules. So, you know,
0: (laughs) well, what do you got for your next piece?
1: Oh, okay. here we go. All right. So the next one that I have, I started, I was thinking about modern musicals and how like, it's been a, I mean, I was trying to think of the last truly like great musical, you know? And I guess like Chicago was the last one that came to mind. Mm-hmm. And then after Chicago, they started trying to adapt, you know, stage plays again. And, uh, the producers was a flop. But the first one that, um, that came to mind for this was rent. Mm. Um, Chris, uh, Christopher Columbus's rent. Right. And, um, one of the uh, okay so so this movie for those of you who haven't seen it rent the play um is all singing and there's only one kind of scaffolding set it's not even really a set it's mu- it's again it's very back to that like avant-garde bare bones theater mm. um kind of thing the film very brilliantly took the original broadway cast um save for two actors who were too old to, to perform their characters anymore, but it used the original Broadway cast and reinterpreted the movie into a, you know, half spoken, half sung musical. Mm. And I saw the play before I saw the film and I had no fucking clue what was going on in rent. Like Mm. when I saw rent, I was like, what is happening? Who are these characters? What is this story? I don't get it. I hate this. I saw the movie and I went, Oh, well that makes sense. Like and the movie also wonderfully like marries into its musical theater roots. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like it's big, it's colorful, it's gaudy, it's kind of flamboyant and in no way has any bearing on the real world, you know what I mean? But right. it's so emotional. It it feels it gives you that same kind of like um Delight is the only word I can use. And it's funny to say delight, a delightful play about aid, the AIDS epidemic. Um, (laughs) But, but I think that rent was much more successful in bringing a stage adaptation to, to film. Um, Not necessarily a better movie, but Mm -hmm. a much more successful adaptation. You know what I mean? Um, And uh, you know, just like star wars people like to give shit to people to the star wars fans how they'll never be satisfied it's like dude no fans of anything will ever be satisfied it's been right sure it's been 10 years now and i'm still bitching about the second half of scott pilgrim versus the world you know what i mean mm-hmm. um <laughs> but to me cats cats could have done with a little dose of confidence you know like the play funny enough when i saw the play of cats I that made perfect sense to me. <laughs> how long
0: how long ago did you see the play of cats? I was
1: ten years old when I saw cats the first. Time. Okay, so it was a long time ago. But I, I don't know if you remember this. In nineteen ninety eight, they released on video, um, a filmed version of the stage play.
0: I heard about that. Yeah, it used to play on TV a lot.
1: Yeah, I think. Well, yeah. I don't, I don't know why, but I saw a commercial. Um, Uh, I saw him, I saw it on a commercial and my 10 year old brain was like, I need to see this. Yeah. And so I asked for it for Christmas that year. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, uh, I didn't get it, (laughs) but I ended up uh, renting it from the library uh, a few years later. And I, uh, or a year later or so. And I just, it made perfect. I love Andrew Lloyd Webber. Jesus Christ Superstar is One of my favorite things, let alone films of all time. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, so I'm and Andrew A. Weber. What I love is how religious his work is. Like, it's very like it's about religion, you know, Mm -hmm. even cats. The play is especially about religion. The film I was surprised to see with like all of its like Egyptian symbolism and them dancing in the pentagrams and them on top of the noble lion at the end. Like, you know, the film really actually does lean into the religious allegory, you know. Um, Sure. And I appreciated that, which is why the McCavity thing is a bit of a letdown in the end where it didn't have anything interesting to say about atheism or anarchy or nihilism but mm. um but yeah rent again not necessarily a better movie but i think a more successful adaptation
0: all right um, well good piece and i will go on to my next one um i am going to bring up the movie avatar from james cameron uh just a a, a movie that tries to get us on board with basically completely cgi characters filling up the entire freaking thing and uh you know the you had mentioned earlier about whether or not this would be more successful uh if they had you know done it for cheaper and in actual cat costumes but of course they had a hundred million dollars to work with and went with cgi cat human hybrid things um which you know avatar looking back at it now um those characters i you know it's funny it's totally not planned but just this morning i was just talking to a friend about avatar and about how it seems like it's 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 americans who think it's stupid and silly but i think overseas people are like so much more open to it's because we speak english yeah <laughs> Like, Sorry, every word are, out of their uh...
1: mouths is just <laughs> pathetic. Like, Sigourney <laughs> Weaver gets shot and she says, well, this just turned into a bad day. What? You're, sh- <laughs> you're shot in the tummy, you idiot. <laughs> like, I mean, like, you know, they don't care over there. Like, I, I'm surprised
0: Cats hasn't been a bigger hit over there. That's true. That's absolutely true. I I think, I think it actually, what I was going to say is I think that part of it is they overseas people are more willing to just go to this weird place, like where it's like, there's, there's no, uh, ironic detachment from any of it. It's just like, it's like, yeah, I'm willing to go on this ride. I you think know. it's because
1: overseas they're not they're, they're not trying to cater to people. They may be mm-hmm. playing to the worst side of people. Like you look at some of the stuff that like in animation especially that comes out of like, you know, and it's really ugly stuff, much like our animation stuff was in the 70s, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like because people are angry, but they're not like sure. they're not pandering to people. You know, it's so funny. These people out here in LA, oh boy, here we go. These people out here in LA, <laughs> especially, I can't speak for anywhere else, but like they go to they they see cats and they write shit like like oh cats is a dog. You know, cats (laughs) Woof. Like (laughs) they go their lives. Like, okay, look, life is very tough at times. And like, we go to movies to (laughs) escape, but you know, I don't believe in escape, but we go and we laugh at this. We go and we laugh at the hard work of other people who like really tried to do something exceptional. Right? Uh Like like here we are making fun of others who are just trying like we are. Now, the flip side of that is you can say, well, Hollywood just puts out so much crap they try to shove down our throats and blah, 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 blah. You know, okay, fair enough. But guess what? You know why Hollywood is full of crap movies? Because, folks, they're trying to cater to you.
0: Exactly.
1: Ooh. (laughs) What do you know, folks? It's your fault. You sit there and say give me what I want and this is what I want. When you know deep down, you don't know what you want yes. and you dare to tear down others who try to push the limits of like what we know, what we feel, what we think and how like, uh, you know, cats is not a hill that I'm going to die on. Sure. But, but avatar, <laughs> you talk about the biggest, like dumbest clunkiest bit of nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, So it's a great puzzle piece. <laughs> <It's> a, <laughs> I mean it. Like, cause the ultimate plot twist of Avatar is that it didn't try a single goddamn new thing.
0: Right. Like, no, it's it's every old like idea from those old action movies just with a billion dollars or whatever of, of even, CGI. even has
1: the same fucking weaponry and machinery that he had in his earlier films. It's like, hey, remember yep. that shit that I did with it was innovative twenty four years ago? Yep. Here it is again. And you know, when that came out Two, three, four, three,
0: four and five coming soon.
1: Well, when that (laughs) movie, I almost got a job working on Avatar two, three, four and five. Um, but when, um, when Avatar came out, remember everybody was like, oh, it's like Fern Gully. Oh, it's like Pocahontas. Oh, it's like uh, dances with wolves. Oh, it's, you know, I was like, yeah, but folks think about this. When dances with, when, when Fern Gully come came out, did we go, oh, that's dances with wolves. When Pocahontas came out, did we say, oh, that's Fern Gully? No. Mm. The, they those movies, and I'm not even a big fan of Pocahontas, and I barely remember Ferngully, but those movies had something to offer. Right. You know what I mean? They had they had a reason to be. It's kind of like when somebody takes a riff from an old song and turns it into something new. You know what I mean?
0: Well, that, that's the, the whole point of this show is, you know, looking at these things that we feel are, you know, potentially connected or at least reminds us of things. And I think that's wonderful when movies are inspired by other, you know, movies that come before it, as long as they're not being lazy about it, as yeah, I mean, long as they're still doing something. You know, that. when, when,
1: when, um, when you and I first talked about me being on the first one I did, the Stars War one, mm-hmm. I really didn't like the idea of this podcast Like, like I was, I was very against it. You know what I mean? Because I feel like that's a crutch because I feel like, um, bear with me because obviously I love this show. Um, but, um, but I feel like what started happening in the late nineties. And I think that Seth MacFarlane officially announced the arrival of this kind of mentality is entertainment that solely exists as validation. Mm. Like, um, I call it masturbation entertainment where like suddenly family guy will make a reference and then point out that it just made a reference so that you can point out to others that you got the reference. Um, (laughs) And uh, at first it was just comedy that did that, but then it slowly morphed into suddenly Christopher Nolan's doing it where he makes a movie that literally painstakingly explains every nook and cranny to you so that you feel smart for getting it when like, no, he literally just made a movie where he just tells you something for two hours you know yeah, what I mean? Instead,
0: of, instead, instead of actually, instead of actually trying something new and letting you figure it out along with it, it's it's got to it's got to tie up every end along the way, answer every question along the way.
1: Yeah, like like so, it's all. And then suddenly, you have entertainment as information. I don't want to throw my ex wife under the bus here, but she um we we she wanted me to watch that show, Big Little Lies, mm-hmm. and like we would be watching it as it premiere. And we live in LA and like it would premiere. And then she'd be like, Oh, here it comes. And I'd be like, what, what are you talking What? what? It, it's on right now. What do you mean? Here it comes. And eventually I discovered she had been reading the synopsis of the entire episode before watching it. Gina does that sometimes. Yeah. And it's like, and no offense to either of them. That's scary to me, man. When like, it's all information, you know, like dude, yeah. no,
0: like these are your emotions. These what, are, what about the ending explained videos on YouTube?
1: Uh, I mean, that's
0: that doesn't bother me as much. <laughs> Not as much. You well, know at least what I mean? It's after the fact. Most people are watching. It's though.
1: after the fact, and it's people who are <laughs> like who are probing and digging and curious and or confused but intrigued. You know, I mean that I'm okay-ish with. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I mean, you know, you read that news this week about you know WB and you know implementing AI to like write the scripts, and it's just like we've given them no reason not to,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know? And, and again, I get it. Like life is tough, man, but like, this is how you let them win. I'm just saying, remember when Wally came out Um, mm-hmm. and they had those chairs, like everybody's fat sitting in chairs, drinking their slurpees and watching their TVs and stuff. Yeah. I was like, ha ha ha. You know, I didn't like Wally, but, but a couple years later, inception came out and I went and I went, oh, this is how we get to that place. All right. <laughs> So I, I I actually the only time I've ever done this in my life I made a little meme that had a that had a, the row of people from Wally in those chairs looking at their screens and I put it on a caption that said watching inception for the 50th time like
0: <laughs> Oh man that's the meanest thing I ever said about Christopher Nolan but <laughs> You should have heard what I said to his face. <laughs> oh, Lord. All right. What do you got for your next puzzle piece?
1: Oh, yeah. I'm so sorry. I, I thought we were just <laughs> thinking about talking here. I hope this is interesting to everybody. Uh, um, I love it. Yeah, no, yeah, it's going good. Okay. um, My next puzzle piece. Okay. Sweeney Todd, the mm-hmm. Demon Barber of Fleet Street, which I think for my money in our lifetime is the most successful musical adaptation from like outside of Chicago, I guess. So Chicago and Sweeney Todd tied, but Sweeney Todd is a much harder sell. Mm. Sweeney Todd is, is a literally a movie set in, uh, you know, like, you know, it's a period piece about a man who cuts people's throats, not even for revenge, just cause he's mad, cuts people's throats mm. and they turn them into pies and people eat them. And Tim Burton, who had been on a bit of a slump for a while. People hadn't really been vibing with him as of late sure. when they made that. Although I did like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Hmm. Um, and if you turn off Planet of the Apes as he leaves the planet before he lands on the other one, it's a pretty good movie. Um, <laughs> but um, But he came out with this movie, and Johnny Depp famously had never sung before. He just cast him, you know, hoping it would work out. And I think that was the case of the right person making the right movie with the right people for the right reasons. Mm -hmm. He saw the play and something spoke to him about the play. This is a guy who famously claimed he didn't like musicals. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, but he really wanted to bring it to life. You know, he wanted, he wanted to bring that to the world in a big way. and, Wonderfully, he stuck to his guns and he he eliminates some stuff in it too. Like, um, one of the most interesting things for all you Jersey girl fans out there who are who's only familiar with Sweeney Todd because of the musical number at the end where they sing God That's Good, (laughs) which also every kid in that place sings cats except for her. She sings Sweeney Todd. Um Mm. uh I that was the only thing of Sweeney Todd I was familiar with was God That's Good. And I knew the song was called God That's Good, right? And Mm -hmm. uh, in the film version, when they perform God, that's good. They don't even sing the part where they say, God, that's good. It's just music. It goes instead of God, that's good. Huh? I thought that was very interesting. Um, I couldn't tell if that was just Tim Burton's own personal fuck you to Kevin Smith because they have a history of not liking each other, especially around that time. Um, Right, right. But uh, but what I love is that Tim Burton Basically made an, made his interpretation of of how Sweeney Todd spoke to him, right? And and um and you know Johnny Depp turned out to be perfect for it because the singing of Sweeney Todd he is a grizzled old curmudgeon so like he's not this showboaty, um which is the problem you run into with a lot of theater in my opinion like to this day Book of Mormon is still very disappointing to me because like it's like. Oh, you're all just so theatery. You know what I mean? You're all just like showing off and having fun, being in a musical. You know, and it's like I love Book of Mormon. I'm I'm on board with that. But but I get I get what you're talking about, though. I know what you mean. Yeah, it's a movie that stripped that away, and and I think that Sweeney Todd is about as perfect as you're gonna get. Uh, And and it, but it brought people to it. I mean, the movie's a big hit. You know, and like uh, you know, you could say, oh, it's got Johnny Depp in it, but dude, the movie's rated R. You know what I mean? So it's not like the Pirates of the Caribbean crowd were coming out for <laughs> Sweeney right. Todd, you know. And
0: it's um, weird that Sweeney Todd was a hit because people talk so badly about it nowadays. They do? Yeah, I always hear people talk down about it and I I remember liking it.
1: I think that has more to do with the trajectory that Johnny Depp's career took afterward and now it's just kind of yeah. associated. That has to be the because I mean when it came out I mean, it was, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's just the circle I run in. You know, I did go to a performing arts high school and I mean, it came out after I was in high school, but you know, but like we mm. all dug it, um, more than dream girls. That's for damn sure. And that came out the same mm. year, I believe. Um, I like dream girls. Oh, they too. were, I think they were a year apart actually. Um, you did not, you liar. I did. What?
0: <laughs> I haven't you... seen it since, the, since opening week. Aha. Yesterday. We've I discovered it. It. I liked it at the time. Yeah. I was going to say,
1: <laughs> so you're telling me you liked any scene that didn't have Eddie Murphy in it liar well I call you I, a-
0: I like i like the eddie murphy bits the best well of course but yeah so sweeney <laughs> todd and again being very
1: similarly set you know like the 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 gutters of london you know and the you know like um yeah much more successful uh adaptation mm-hmm. i almost wish cats had married more to its pg rating you know like other than rum, other than rum tum tugger the uh the play is not sexual at all and this movie really isn't either it's getting a bad rap for that you know um, yeah they call it horny. It's not, though, and that's fucked up to me that people are saying that. It's like, really? That's horny to you? That makes you horny? Okay. Um, <laughs> the catnip thing was a good idea in premise, but it just didn't, I don't know, it didn't pay off. Mm. Like when Taylor Swift is dousing people, that's not in the play. And McCavity, yeah. uh, actually in the play, it's um, it's uh, Mungo, Jerry, and teaser who sing that song. Um, mm. By the way, I thought that Mungo, Jerry, and teaser were terrific. I also thought that Jason Derulo That was another big happy surprise. I thought he was excellent as Rum Tum Tugger.
0: He was. I didn't like Jason Derulo. I I I liked every a lot of the other people. I think were like having a lot of fun with it. Jason Derulo was so corny. I don't know, but I mean, he he worked for what it was. You know,
1: I I I mean, I don't know. You know, it's he made that album a couple years ago. like Jesus, like five years ago now, the one that had the "You're the one I want to want me," you know that one. <laughs> yeah. um, that album. I I listened to the whole thing and I was like, "Holy shit, this is good!" Like mm. I I actually, it's one of the few albums that I've purchased in the last five years. Like, um, especially popular music. Like, I love that album, and uh, I haven't even thought about him since that album. Yeah, and it's uh, just
0: all of a sudden he shows up in cats, and I was like, I "Oh, remember. that
1: guy, the I just want my ex to see you guy." Um, but yeah, I liked him. The guy who who plays Rum Tum Tugger in that in that um in that filmed stage production, um, mm-hmm. she, go on YouTube, everybody, and just watch that. That guy fucking crushes it. Like he's <laughs> he's good. Right you on. like Dream Girls?
0: I I liked it at the time. Maybe I wouldn't like it nowadays. She
1: Jennifer Hudson is is the weakest link in this movie to me. Um, she's just too snotty and crying. Like she's like like. The, the whole point well, she's
0: of, in a different movie, is really what it is. I mean, the, she doesn't her her role the the way that they put this one together, it doesn't really fit. I guess like
1: well, that character is defeated, but she's not like a, a blubbering, whimpering, like crybaby. She's just like right. she's upset and she's isolated now, and she's you know what I mean. Like it's it's a um, you know, she. And I will say, I mean, of course, this goes without saying. She nails the crescendo of memories, right? Like, mm-hmm. and I was very worried she was gonna she was gonna drop the ball on that, but but that like <laughs> thing that she's doing the whole rest of the time, it's like, nah, dude, like that's not the character, you know what I mean? Like, she, it's an Oscar clip, is what it is. Yeah, right?
0: you ain't no <laughs> Anne Hathaway. <laughs> well, I'll go to another puzzle piece. Uh, th- this one, honestly, I, as I was thinking about it, I was like, well, actually, this movie I'm about to mention maybe itself was a little inspired by the original Cats, Um, and that is uh, Wes Anderson's Isle of Dogs, Mm -hmm. a a movie that I love, um, but uh, about a, a colony of dogs who live on this island away from humans, and they have their own little their own little society. And then uh, the way that uh, the humor is implemented, you mentioned earlier, this is why I found it so interesting when you said that there wasn't as many cat puns in the original musical, but there's so many like little dog puns and like things that dog lovers know are so dog-like in that movie uh, that it, you know, reminds me of the way that they implemented a lot of cat humor in this Cats adaptation. I like
1: when the dog threw up at the beginning. I was hoping for more of that. Yeah. Um, I'm really into puke jokes, though, so that's... you
0: know. All right. I, yeah. I actually have a similar <laughs>
1: feeling about uh, Isle of Dogs that I had about um, Cats. I did not like Isle of Dogs as, as much as you did. I didn't hate it like I have mm. the last movie and a half of Wes Anderson's. Um, mm. I hated Grand Budapest Hotel, and I hated oh. the second half of Moonrise Kingdom.
0: But I, um, I, I don't, I don't love Moonrise, but I love Grand Budapest. Hmm. You do, huh? Oh, I do. Interesting. All right,
1: for another discussion. But uh, okay. <laughs> but <Isle of> dogs, <laughs> I love dogs. I, I was, it was nice to not be hating a Wes Anderson movie again. As I was watching, I was like, ah, kind of like the good old days. It's pretty um, good until they left the fucking island. Mm. Like, when they leave the island, the movie just falls apart. like mm. like like and 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 I felt very similar the initial pop up of of Ray Winston's character. I can't even remember what his name was in the movie because he's not in the play, that character
0: you um, know what's funny. i ro- I wrote down a whole bunch of actors and their character names. And next to Ray Winston, I didn't write down his name.
1: It's like <laughs> it's like growler or Growl Grout, Grout. It's like I'm gra- sure Growl it Tiger. Is. It's Growl Tiger, I think. Growl Tiger. Oh. um, But like when he first popped up and he's singing about being Growl Tiger, I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> Fucking add it. Add the song. Go for it. And then there is no song. And I was like, oh, OK. But then every time they would go back to that damn barge, it was just like, what are you doing, dude? Go back to the Jellicle Ball, you nut. <laughs> like that's where you belong. It's called. Right. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I remember a girlfriend one time complaining about how she hates when a song has a bridge in it because she's enjoying the melody of the song already. And I was like, You're insane. But I guess this is strange. I guess this is sort of the same thing. Like Isle of Dogs. I'm like into this island with dogs. You know what I mean? But then you like leave the island. I'm like, Well, well, okay. Yeah. It's like Uh, Castaway. He spends the last hour back in America. It's like, What? I thought he was a castaway. (laughs) Wedding crashers. They're crashing weddings the whole first 10 minutes and then they stop crashing weddings. I'm like, What is is this? What's going
0: on now? But Rachel McAdams (laughs) is
1: on screen and it's 2005. Do whatever you'd like. Um, Well, what do you got next? I got my final puzzle piece. I only did five for this one. And this one is um, a tough one for me um, because it's on the right day. It's my favorite movie of all time. Um, But uh, funny people. Adam Sandler's uh, funny people. Hmm. Um, Aside from the uh, obvious I say obvious like I'm pretending anybody remembers this movie um, the uh, the obvious fact that the crux the end of act two crux where um, Les- uh, Leslie Mann realizes she can never build a life with Adam Sandler when she pops in the videotape of of her daughter performing Memory from Cats and he's not paying attention uh-huh. um, she says to him she's like you didn't cry when when Mabel sang Cats and he's like, he's like I saw it on Broadway it it, it wasn't as good.
0: I forget um, every single minute of that movie. I, I, I think I liked it at the time, but yeah, I don't even remember that.
1: God. That was one of the best movie going experiences of my life. That film. I, I got to see it. I, I that film. Did, I have a theory about how you can make it perfect. It does need a little bit of editing, but not as much mm-hmm. and not where, but I think most people think it needs it. In fact, Paul Thomas Anderson was such a big fan of that movie. He like, he helped Judd Apatow with the final edit of it. Cause he loved mm-hmm. the film so much. And I'm yeah. right there with him um but uh i feel like i've kind of been on a on on like a single track train here this whole time about like when you do something like cats <laughs> 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 sorry when you do something like cats you have to commit uh uh-huh. like even if you don't believe in what you're saying you have to commit to that idea 100% mm-hmm. and and funny people, <sighs> Judd Apatow could be, in my opinion, he could have been the next James L. Brooks. He could have mm-hmm. been the next truly, truly uh, meaningful, successful, uh, and uh, like human, humanist. You know what I mean? Like you look at movies like Terms of Endearment, Broadcast News, As Good As It Gets, like these films and the shows like The Simpsons, the mm-hmm. Like, James L. Brooks is the mastermind behind it all. James L. Brooks is also the mastermind behind, like, fucking Jerry Maguire. He godfathered people into their into their fruition, you know, like, like Cameron Crowe. Mm-hmm. And he really loves people so much so that he gave people the time to be people, which is why his films are so long, which is also why Judd Apatow's films are so long. And the reason sure. why Knocked Up was a game-changing hit was because it was the first stoner-gets-a-girl-pregnant comedy that wasn't a yuck-yuck-fest that didn't sacrifice... Right you know, it would let scenes breathe. It would let things be, it would, you know what I mean? And it would let things taper off and like, like, like they do in our life. You know what I mean? Which made it feel more personal. I mean, he's, he at his best, Judd Apatow can be the king of making his personal life feel universal. Right. And, and funny people to me at times, while I think knocked up is his best film, funny people to me at times it, it, it like you know the story vickers flying too close to the sun and in the within his the wax in his wings melts right, right i feel like i feel like at times like judd apatow like his wings weren't even melting he was getting closer and closer to the sun he just suddenly realized how big the sun was and that freaked him out so he flew away you know like <laughs> He's too afraid to not be liked. He's too afraid to not be successful. And he's too afraid to not be funny. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And it shows there are cop out moments in funny people and not many, but just enough to where, you know, that the guy who made this is not confident. He's, Mm -hmm. you know, he may be smart and he may be brave, but he's not confident. And because we can smell confidence a mile away, just like we can smell competence a mile away. Sure, you know what I mean, and um, and with cats, like I said, some of the changes they made were wonderful. Like in the play, uh, Mister Mistopheles is um, he's a uh, he's kind of a showboat. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the whole ending is him just like, yes, you're right. I never was there ever a cat as clever as me. You know. Like, that's his attitude. And in this, by making him the kind of love interest to the main character and having him come into his own, that in that song is all the, while being the most obnoxiously catchy song in the movie, it's also the most emotional, you know, Mm -hmm. and you do feel an emotional uh, finale to Mr. Mistopheles, you know? Mm -hmm. So they do things like that that I thought were really wonderful. Um, But other times... The changes they made were like, they were like, oh, that's going to be too weird or like, oh, we need a bad guy or like, right. oh, we need more Rebel Wilson, you know, or we, you know, there are too many of those decisions in it as well. I do. I do want to point out that the film gets a lot of criticism for adding the new song Beautiful Ghosts um, mm. and it just being their like pathetic, quote unquote, pathetic attempt to get an Oscar nomination. Right. but. I actually think it's organic to the redesign of the whole project because by adding a main character, you can't have a main character and not give her a song. Yeah, that that makes total sense. So that that actually worked very well for me. And I thought that the song was was pretty good. You know, I thought that it was was all uh, right. Yeah, like like, you know, it's 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 it, it's that it, I use the word pretty good I think that the hook the idea now they're just beautiful ghosts is is really nice mm-hmm. but yeah you just you've got to be confident in yourself and we've got to stop making movies that was the problem with with Rise of Skywalker that's the problem with most movies that I have a problem with is that I'm so sick and tired of filmmakers saying like do you like that is that okay right is that okay <laughs> this is okay right oh I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry here 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 here, here sorry my bad <laughs>
0: Um. Yeah, if there's one thing going into this new decade that we could do away with, it would hopefully be that.
1: Yeah, I, I and I mean, I, I get a bad rap for, you know, like people try to label me a contrarian. But I think the fact that I'm able to articulate everything that I uh, that I express, I think helps kind of squash that idea. But That's movie- why I love
0: having you on the show, Joe. Oh,
1: God bless you. I, I you know, <laughs> I've well, ser- movies like Serenity, movies like um, Velvet Buzzsaw, these they are radical, and I love a bit of I love radical. My my first puzzle piece today was Fritz the Cat. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I love radical, but man, nothing radical gets to me in the way that Jerry Maguire does. You know what I mean? And so <laughs> right now, I feel a little. I don't know. It's like, I feel a little funky because it's like the only stuff that I'm able to really grab onto is the radical stuff. Like Uh it's the only stuff that's speaking to me anymore because I don't feel that there's any like conventional, well thought out movies made for people my age, you know, like I was really holding out for marriage story last year and God damn it. It sucked. Like, Mm. You know, it's, you watch that movie and you go, "No wonder why you broke up with, why you and your wife got divorced." No, Bombach, you're you're an idiot. Right. Um, <laughs> but like, but cats, you know, it's a. I do appreciate that they tried to go a little more conventional with the narrative, you know, um, but they just didn't do it with confidence. Right. They did it because they had to, not because they wanted to. Right, you know, makes
0: that makes sense. Flop. <laughs> at times because well, i still like the movie <laughs> there you go well i got uh two last things i'm going to mention uh, they're they're kind of mini pieces just little moments uh before we do the finished puzzle here and after my dog stops squeaking harvey do you want to be in uh this this podcast is that what you're trying to do here? it's
1: funny because this whole podcast there's been a cat staring at me the whole time
0: <laughs> so uh these two quick things i wanted to mention um first of all the the acting style, which I'm sure is very heavily influenced by the play itself, but also reminded me of the moment in Zoolander when Mugatu and his assistant Todd oh, are looking at each other and making yes. those weird faces.
1: Yes. Yes. Excellent. I love that.
0: <laughs> so ridiculous. I love it. Uh, and then the other quick thing I wanted to mention was I was surprised how quiet a lot of the numbers were. And it just reminded me a little bit of during A Quiet Place when you could hear everybody, like, slowly reaching in their bag of popcorn Mm -hmm, to get like mm -hmm. a little a little bit of popcorn because it's so fucking quiet yeah and i i I was just shocked by that
1: well because the whole play is about the idea of being haunted by death and like Mm -hmm. worrying that maybe it's a solution to like a life you know like filling your life with stuff and and vices instead of actually living a life because you know you're gonna die anyway and like is religion like see that's what the play's about. Ah, this is
0: a deep ass movie, right? Well, lot. no,
1: it's a deep ass play. Play, yeah. <laughs> the movie, the <laughs> the movie. I think some people knew that that's what it was about, and good on them. Like Judy Judy Dench too, um, as uh as old Deuteronomy. Old Deuteronomy is is a is a male character, right? The I, I heard that. And um, the song that she sings at the end is also added, but it's like made from pieces of. Other songs in the play, hmm. like they kind of Frankenstein it, and then also added to it. Um, I I did forget. I wanted to mention that, like, I think the anchor for this movie, I think the thing that's going to keep it afloat, and the thing that it's going to that might actually either keep it afloat or sink it, is that for the future, is that the scene with Ian McKellen is so good hmm. that even the most cynical people who watch that they get emotional watching his scene. Uh, mm. As Gus, right? And, and like when I saw it here in LA, especially, like all the laughter stopped for about six minutes. Huh. You know what I mean? Because it's beautiful. Like his is, and, and, and not only is his performance beautiful, but the love that, that, uh, that old Deuteronomy obviously has for Gus. She loves Gus, she loves him. You know, Mm -hmm. just the way she looks at him and how happy she is for him when he finishes his performance and how you that love, you feel it. And so suddenly in the middle of this movie that everybody wants to treat like the new troll too, suddenly you get that, oh, no, wait, maybe this is just beyond us for better or worse, you know? And Mm -hmm. I think that might keep it from being The Room or Showgirls or, you know what I mean? Um, Interesting.
0: You know, you know, it's funny I actually in my notes here, I, I have written down. I didn't know uh, whether or not people are connecting more to any one actor or anything like that. But I have written down here. Ian McKellen seems to actually love what he's doing in this movie. Like he mm-hmm. seems to really be
1: into this role. It's beautiful. Like like and he starts out kind of silly with his like, you know, and like rubbing his head and shit. But then he gives a beautiful performance that could be a performance of Ian McKellen as himself. Right. You know, <laughs> this like aging, yeah. this aging star who's looking facing the end, you know, um, and, and, but he's at peace about it and he's loved his life. What a beautiful life I've lived. You know what I mean? Is kind of the idea of Gus, you know, for and better. It's a
0: deep movie all over again.
1: Yeah. Like, and, and <laughs> suddenly, like, suddenly the actual, like, root of what's happening pokes through and people go, oh, oh, this isn't Tommy Wiseau. Uh huh. Oh, this isn't you know John Cena's the Marine. Um,
0: <laughs> I have not seen that. Is that uh, is that worth watching?
1: That movie is in my top one hundred, my friend. I do All it. Right. I do a top one hundred every year. Um, in January, you know, because you know, your your taste changes, even if it's just temporarily, you know. So I do it sure. every year on Letterbox. I do that, and that is in there. But again, you know me. I've talked about this on the podcast where I don't believe in so bad it's good. I believe that I am connecting with this movie in that way, and it is satisfying that part of me. And i and I'm grateful for it. And um, and the marine is definitely one of those. Beautiful. Now that being said, there is a scene where he's chasing a car, and like they like they <laughs> shoot at him with a machine gun, and he holds up a bulletproof vest in front of his face, and it like saves his life.
0: You know, it's pretty. pretty, pretty oh my god, that's amazing. Pretty <laughs> dumb. It has ex-
1: <laughs> it has explosions in that movie that Michael Bay must have been taking notes because he's like, how'd they do that? Because there are three <laughs> truly masterful explosions in this film.
0: Um, oh, my God. I can't wait I for you to see it. That. I I have to now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I will do a finished puzzle real quick, and then we will uh, wrap this thing up. Uh, finished puzzle included Fritz the Cat, Aquaman, Meet the Feebles, The Adventures of Baron Munchausen, Rent, Avatar, Sweeney Todd, Isle of Dogs, Funny People, Zoolander, and A Quiet Place. And we, a of course, went on a tangent place. about a lot of stuff along the way. A Quiet Place. Yeah, uh, we included it. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so, <laughs> Get ready for I, the I sequel, think, folks. I, I think we kind of covered it. I don't I don't know that there's really much else to, uh, ah, to yeah. say about Cats. Do you have anything else, or else should we move on to... Uh, one last recommendation from you, something you've seen recently.
1: You know, it's so funny. I haven't seen anything recently. I have no desire to see anything. Um, wait, no, I guess I did see on D- on a DVD. I saw. I've been doing a Bette Midler marathon lately, and okay. um, uh, <laughs> I watched uh, <laughs> Big Business with her and Lily Tomlin. I recommend that. But I do, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, like you mentioned, it's you know in my top ten cats, number seven, but number eight was Headless Entanglement. I don't know how people would be able to see the film, but if you seek it out, I'm sure like he's very easy to contact and he, I'm sure he'd love to share it with you. Pitt and Raymond headless entanglement. It really is like Beavis and butthead meets mall rats meets, you know, it would, it meets disaster artist. It's an awesome, like indie. It's a true independent film. I highly recommend.
0: Sounds great, man. Well, uh, why don't you tell people where they could find your work? Right now, still just on Facebook,
1: Blue Means Pregnant Films, but in March, on my birthday, we will be launching our site and all of our DVDs, so hold tight, and uh, you know we'll see you soon. <laughs>
0: ah, nice. All right, thanks, Joe. Uh, this is awesome. I'm glad that we didn't leave uh, 2019 without having done a Cats episode.
1: Oh, thank you so much for it. I'm glad to talk about Cats, and I'm happy to speak with you again. I love doing
0: this. Thank you for having me. <music> Hello everybody, my name is Diverne, and I'm the host of the Cinema Recall Podcast, part of that moment, and we are slightly different than your average movie podcast, in that we don't review a whole feature. Instead, myself and a guest will break down our favorite scenes in movies, and then discuss why they are so iconic. So check us out, we are available on Anchor, Google Podcasts. Apple Podcasts, and more. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram under Cinema Recall Podcast, and we are available on Twitter at cinema underscore recall. We hope you enjoy. Thank you for listening. All right, I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Cats. It was a lot of fun to do. Uh, we only have, like, uh, we we have a few more 2019 movies in the can that are going to be uh, posted in the next few weeks, uh, ones that are about to hit VOD. But otherwise, you know, that's probably the last 2019 movie I'm going to record an episode on. So uh, moving on to 2020, I do want to thank you all so much for being there with me and listening to the show. We, we've we've had such a great amount of growth over this past year, and even just in these first this first week of 2020, I am very much looking forward to everything we're going to be doing with the show in the coming months. So. Please make sure you are subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice. If you enjoy what we're doing, you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, on Podchaser. You can, of course, uh, follow us on social media at PiecingPod. Join the Facebook group, uh, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. You could also come join our Patreon, where we just posted our Parasite episode, which will hit the feed as soon as uh, the actual VOD release date hits, which is at the end of January. But we also have uh, other advanced episodes that you can listen to in there, including Jay and Silent Bob Reboot, which Joe Black is on, and we recorded months ago already. Uh, But yeah, it's going to have a whole lot more content coming up soon in the coming months, and uh, something I'm definitely planning on building up more as the year continues. Uh, Other things that I'm working on as the year continues are the other podcasts that I'm a part of. I am producing Awesome Movie Year, which is now in its third season on the films of 1989. And like I said earlier in the episode, we uh, recorded an episode on um, The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. That's for our box office flop episode. But we have a lot of other great episodes coming up this season also, the new podcast that I'm producing, All Rice No Beans, which is a podcast about restaurants hosted by Stephanie Barajas from Lindo Michoacan. It is a wonderful new podcast uh, all about the restaurant industry and life in the restaurant industry. On it, she will be interviewing her dad about his experiences growing the Lindo Michoacan brand from the ground up as a Mexican immigrant, and then talking to other restaurant owners about their experiences and how their different experiences mirror each other and coming up with tips and advice for people getting into the restaurant business. It's a really fun show, totally different from anything else I do, and I'm really proud of how it's coming out. The first full-length episode actually is going up today, so go check that out. There's also a trailer episode with clips of some of the, uh, some of the future episodes that you can check out, so make sure to check out All Rice, No Beans. And of course, Don't forget to check out Bird Road. We got a whole bunch of new Bird Road coming your way too. So uh, I think that does it for today. We should finish this episode up with a song. And I can't think of any better way to close out this episode on the movie Cats than with a song from my currently delayed, but it is going to get released one of these days, comedy album, The Pup Pups. Uh, and there is, most of the songs are about dogs, but we do break into uh, three tracks in the middle about my cats. And one of those songs is a song about the Lily Bear, a.k.a. Barnum, a.k.a. Barney. It is a song called Muffin Maker. And I think think you're gonna enjoy it it's absolutely ridiculous it's one of my favorite tracks on the album and i have not played it anywhere for anybody except for gina she's heard it but no one else has heard it so uh, i hope you enjoy muffin maker and look forward to when this pup pups album hopefully comes out one of these days hey there little kitty don't you make me something, come on over here just to make some muffins Hey there little kid, why don't you make me something, come up upon my belly and I'll make some Hey there, little kitty Why don't you make me something Come on over here and Just to make some muffins Hey there, little kitty Why don't you make me something